This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. I think we're live. There was no countdown. There was no countdown. <laughs> No countdown. I see the no, I see no countdown. What's up, Matt? Thanks for joining. Uh, everybody, uh, we're, this is the Upper Hand Fantasy YouTube channel. We're going to uh, talk wide receivers today. And Matt Harmon, the, the wide receiver guru, is here uh, to help <laughs> us uh, navigate through, uh, you know, through all these wide receivers and their landing spots. Uh, so, Matt, uh, thank you so much for joining, man. Hey, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on again. Uh, hopefully that means we did a good show last year. We'll do a good show this year. Um, yeah, no, this class is really fun. Um, and I, I actually kind of sneakily like the post-draft shows better than the pre-draft shows because now we can really take, you know, skill sets and apply them to current rosters. It's like not hi- it's not hypothetical anymore. This is real stuff that's actually going to happen. We have a better grasp of it. So I'm very excited to talk about it tonight. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm glad, and it was a really good show last year. Um, now, just want to introduce Joe as well. Now, if you don't know Joe, guys, he is known <laughs> as a fantasy football analyst over on Instagram. Um, and, and and you know, Matt gave us tremendous insight last year before the draft, right, on a lot of these rookies. Uh, and and to be honest, you know, all of us we hold your opinions very lightly, uh, very, very lightly, very light, very, very highly, right? Uh, and and not just us, the entire fantasy community, right? Uh, so you're doing some amazing work. We thank you for, for helping us navigate through all the noise. And there's been a lot of noise, right? Like through this whole draft process. Right. Um, but you know, you, you simply tell us who wins on their routes, who wins against man, who wins against press, who wins against zone. How often do they win? Can they separate? Who can separate? Uh, who should we paying attention to? So, so welcome Matt again. Um, so if you guys don't know about reception perception, um, that that's Matt's platform, you know, where all his charting is uh you know his articles uh, are um i highly suggest you guys go check out and bookmark reception perception.com and sign up uh to get the upper hand all right i have to all right <laughs> uh nailed uh, it. Get, get, get the upper hand nailed it uh, <laughs> on your league mates um you know when it comes to all things wide receivers um so you know you have the incoming rookie class profiles on there i saw that uh, you have veteran profiles as well uh, so if you're wondering how a specific receiver did last year in terms of separation, whether there was they were a college receiver or whether they were in the pros, uh, you know, route running, all that stuff, that is the place to go. So receptionperception.com. You guys got to go check that out. Um, so, man, let's, let's talk about this draft. This draft, the first round was fun, right? Yeah. Like, did you guys feel that way? Like, it was insane. Um, 
just just want to get your overall thoughts on the draft, Matt, um, especially that first round, all the movement that we saw. Yeah, it's funny, right? It starts off kind of slow a little bit. We knew this was not like really a sexy draft class because we didn't have the high end quarterbacks. We knew that, you know, really like the best bet of the entire draft was under two and a half quarterbacks. Like there was just no way there was it was clear the NFL was not high on this draft class from a quarterback perspective. So we knew that it wasn't going to be like in years past. It wasn't going to be like even last year when, you know, a ton of guys went in the first round, like the first three picks were quarterbacks. Like even we didn't really know who the number one overall pick was going to be until I mean, it seemed like it was going to be Trayvon Walker, but there was still some question right up until basically the pick was made. Um, So it was a little slow at first, but then basically from picks, you know, 10 to 16, 17, 18, something like that. It was just one thing after another, you know, even the veteran trades, obviously there's this huge prospect uh, draft wide receiver run going on, you know, with Olave and Jamison Williams and all these guys are starting to fly off the board. And then, like Marquise Brown gets traded, it's like, wow, I didn't didn't see Marquise Brown getting traded. That that one kind of came out. And then, like AJ Brown gets traded ten minutes later. So it was a wild ride. Um, it was good to be in the center of the wide receiver action. That's for sure. Yeah, man. Um, and 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 you must have been like, oh man, like I was I was charting him on this team, and I was kind of projecting him to 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 play in, in Baltimore. I was projecting him uh, to play in Tennessee, and with both these guys moving to a new team. You know, you have Rashad Bateman now, right? You kind of have to project oh, yeah. him differently, obviously, right? Uh, looking like the new number one wide receiver in Baltimore. Uh, Hollywood looking like <laughs> the number one, at least until DeAndre Hopkins is back. And then A.J. Brown, I think, you know, still, in my opinion, still the clear alpha in Philly, yeah, you know, despite too. him being paired next to a, a very good receiver in Devontae Smith. Um, just curious how you think that particular situation unfolds uh, in Philly, you know, they were a very run-heavy team, right, in the second half of the year. But you got to think that changes with A.J. Brown coming to town, no? Yeah, I'm also glad you brought up the name Rashad Bateman, too. I think Bateman might be the biggest winner of the of the NFL draft, like from a, from a non-rookie perspective. Uh, his, profi- his profile is going to hit receptionperception.com on Monday, along with all of the other 2021 rookies, Devontae Smith included in, you know, both those guys, really good players. I mean, especially Bateman, I think it's just going to be uh, – I think he's going to be a number one receiver. But, you know, Devontae Smith was really good last year. I think he's a, I think he's a really good receiver. And I, I, one of my first reactions to the trade was, you know, it's I always kind of hate when people are like, this can be good news for this receiver. But it's, it's, it's not really – you always want more targets, right? Like, But um, from one sense, though, I do think A.J. Brown's presence, you know, can – allow Devonte smith to be used in a more optimal manner you know last year the eagles basically ran out Devonte smith as their pure x receiver and uh what i mean by that is like you know typically you're like we think of the x receiver position as you know like the old school number ones the big players you know that, that are going to line up on the line of scrimmage you're going to play a ton of yeah yeah des bryant types terrell owens types you know randy moss types back in the day you know they're they're going to see a ton of press coverage they don't move around into the slot they don't move like you know they don't get the free releases um again your typical old school number one receiver i'm sure i'll throw around x receiver a ton on the, the, the podcast tonight right especially when we talk about prospects like george pickens but um you know i think Devonte smith actually could be you know better used in that flanker role you know move around pre-snap you know be used in those ways get get him some more routes against zone coverage it's not that i think smith can't hack it against press man coverage because he absolutely can but you know just from a pure a pure physical perspective he's not the typical x receiver build we know that from last year's draft analysis of course so i think aj brown meanwhile is like 
despite the fact that he played some slot receiver in college, like throw that out because he he basically has been the Titans' number one X receiver since the moment he hit uh, the field in Tennessee. So I think that actually can create better matchups overall for both guys in the wide receiver room. And and to your point too about this uh, team's intent from a rushing perspective, I know I've seen thrown around like, well, this is bad for AJ Brown because. The only team that ran more than the Titans last year was the Eagles or whatever. And I get that. But you also have to think, like, was that out of intent or was it out of necessity? Uh, because last year, you know, outside of Devontae Smith, you know, Dallas yeah. got 100% all year. Um, Jalen Rager is just not that, – that ain't going to work at this point. That's not happening. Um, now you've got two really good wide receivers, a good tight end in Dallas Goddard you've extended. And remember, too, that the Eagles started off the year being, like, on the complete opposite spectrum where they were throwing the ball kind of too much. So maybe we see them meet in the middle this year, and that can potentially be enough volume – uh, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts withstanding, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of a decrease in passing volume when you got a rushing quarterback. But I wouldn't I don't think that the Eagles are going to be the team that they were to end last season, you know, going forward and forever. Yeah, and, and I think that AJ Brown might still have that, you know, top twelve upside, wide receiver one upside. He doesn't necessarily sure. need, you know, a hundred, you know, seventy targets to get it done, right? He he is shown to be uh, you know, efficient at times. He's shown to have that high ceiling. And he can get he can give you like five for one forty and a touchdown, right? Like he oh, doesn't yeah. need like seven eight catches to get it done. One hundred percent, yeah. I I don't I don't think that you decrease him too much in terms of your rankings. I don't think you bang him down too much in terms of projections. I, I still have him, you know, around like wide receiver nine, wide receiver ten, somewhere there. Um, again, I don't know that he has like the same you know, potential like nuclear season that he could have had in Tennessee. Like I think, but I think he's got top five wide receiver talent, like pure ability in the NFL. I think he is one of the, you know, up there in terms of potentially one of the five best, like he has the potential to be an elite wide receiver. Now he's just got to stay healthy. Uh, This offense has to click. Uh, But I think that again, he's leaving a a run heavy situation. He might be instilled more, a little bit more of a run heavy situation. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback, but like he's, He's not like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And obviously Jalen Hurts is somewhere between average to slightly below average in terms of starters. So um, there's a lot of similarities, frankly, from the situation that he left to the situation he's in now. Yeah. Yeah, totally hear that. Now, I I love that perspective. Now, it it was wide receiver night, basically, on day one of the NFL draft, right? So Drake London taken at number eight as the first wide receiver off the board to Atlanta. Uh, Kyle Pitts get someone to take some of that defensive attention away from him. Uh, He was literally the only guy there. Uh, The QB situation is in flux, obviously. You know, it's Marcus Mariota for now, potentially transitioning to Desmond Ritter at some point. Uh, But there was a ton of talk before the draft around London, right? And the fact that, you know, he depended on – maybe that is not a fact, but, you know, there was a lot of talk about him depending on contested catch situations, right? Uh, A perception that he can't separate. And I really want to hear your thoughts on him as a prospect – and also his landing spot with the Falcons. Yeah, I think that, look, obviously he is a great contested catch receiver. I think he's the best contested catch receiver if among this year's prospects. He ranks number one on receptionperception.com in contested catch conversion rate. And he saw a ton of those opportunities. But I think he was thrown into a lot of those situations when you go and watch him. I, I mean, he is not a... Devonte Smith type of separator or Garrett Wilson type of separator or Chris Olave type of separator. He's not, he's not at that level, but 
I think he's the best underneath route runner in this class. You know, we're talking about slant routes, flat routes. Uh, they screened him a ton of touches, but even on curl patterns too, I really think he runs those short routes in a very similar fashion to like a Michael Thomas. And, you know, you're looking at him as like a 72.8% uh, success rate versus man coverage player. That's pretty close to like a Jamar Chase last year. And, you know, Jamar Chase was a – I had no questions about him as a separator. I got no question about Drake London as a separator and they kind of sort of win in obviously two different ways. Chase was a great deep threat in college, a great deep threat in the NFL. I don't know that Drake London's going to be that type of player. He's going to win contested passes down the field. So I think he has um, Drake London. That is, I think he's got a lot of volume potential as a, you know, inside outside versatility player. I think he's got a lot of uh, potential to eat up passes on those slants, flats, curls, things like that. But he does have uh, some big play upside as well because he's such a great contested catch receiver and he can win in the deep game in that fashion. Um, great success rate versus zone. Uh, solid success rate versus man and press. I think he is the best receiver from this year's draft You know because of his ability to get open in those short and intermediate areas. And I mean, they're going to have a ton of fun down there in Atlanta, right? Like looking at matchups that they can create with Kyle Pitts and Drake London, these two twin towers there. I'm actually really excited to see how they roll these guys out. Like who plays more outside receiver? Who plays more in the slot? There's a lot of versatility on the table with London and Pitts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And and Joe, I'm just curious to get your thoughts about about London overall, uh, you know, paired up with – with Kyle Pitts and the fact that, you know, in college, Drake London, you know, freshman, sophomore year, you know, he played out of the slot most of the time. Right. And he also, he played with Amon Ross St. Brown. He played with Michael Pittman, um, you know, and he did, you know, break out er relatively early too. Um, So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on the landing spot. Yeah. I mean, like if if there's one team that needed the wider receiver, it was the Falcons. They, I think we're going into the season with Auden Tate, uh, Olamai, Zacchaeus, uh, name a couple other guys in that roster, Frank Darby, if you will, but they definitely had a need for the wide receiver position. Calvin Ridley obviously suspended. It's going to be interesting to see like what Matt said, how they use him, right? Like are they going to use him in the slot, let him sit on the outside. I, I don't see a problem uh, with him against NFL DBs. Like Matt said, he's the best contested catch receiver, not only in this class, but I'm pretty sure he's up there in the NFL too at this point. But uh, my cop for him was a guy like Mike Evans. So I can definitely see him playing that type of role. Um, Kyle Pitts wasn't really involved too much in the end zone last year. So it really makes me think maybe Drake becomes that guy. Um, it, it's going to be tough. Obviously, it, it all depends on Marcus Mariota. It depends on if Ritter's going to come in. But, uh, yeah, I, I love Drake. I'm, I love Drake London. I, I'm going to well, try to well, snag him as many drafts as I can. Well, listen, Matt Ryan's gone, so these guys are going to get touchdowns now. Right, they're gonna be targeting the end zone now. <laughs> right, isn't that, isn't that how this works? Isn't this like how this that works? With Julio. For so long, it was like that with Julio. It was like Julio just never scored. You just always it, 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 for him to get that it's crazy, time. right? And we're just like, yeah, don't worry, it's gonna regress to the mean. Don't worry, it's gonna happen. I promise. Yeah, no, no, it guess it never happened. Uh, all right, so now in, in terms of that's what they call it. Positive, positive regression. regression. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right, so so uh, so Garrett Wilson gets drafted by the Jets at ten. Um, you know, and that's quite the young duo, right? Between him and Elijah Moore, uh, oh, yeah. the Jets the Jets seem to be building something special there. They're putting the tools needed around Zach Wilson. Uh, now, if he could take a step forward, we're looking at a potentially legit offense here in the next year or two. And and, and maybe you know, as we're talking about Wilson, maybe you know we could also talk about his teammate at Ohio State and Chris Olave, who was taken right after him by the Saints. Uh, and, and we know both these guys are route technicians, 
right? Uh, but what are some defining characteristics that each of these guys bring to the table? I mean, you're right about the Jets' offense. If Zach Wilson does take that step, this offense is looking really good. You know, if Makai oh, yeah. Becton shows up and is ready to rock at left tackle, you know, they've got him. They've got Elijah Vera Tucker, who they drafted last year. They made additions in free agency, too. Um, they've stacked up the tight end room, too. They took Jeremy Rucker in this year's draft. They'd added two free agents there as well. Um, Elijah Moore, you guys know I'm a huge Elijah Moore fan from last year's class. It's like, now it's, now it's like, oh, yeah, Corey Davis is there. It's like, he might not even play that big of a role. And this is a guy that gave, like, you know, $18 million per year to last year. Like, when yeah. have the Jets ever had an embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver position? And if Garrett Wilson <laughs> and Elijah Moore hit the ceilings that I think these guys can have, we're talking about a really, really interesting offense for sure. Even they even brought back Braxton Berrios, like him and Zach Wilson take like pictures together with each other's the names shirts. on their shirts or what? Yeah, yeah, the shirts. So I mean, there's a lot going on potentially for this New York team. Um, just, just, Matt, 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 just keep going. I, I'm a Jets fan, so like I was just grinning. Ear, <laughs> oh, I, mean, I was just, yeah. I was just grinning ear to ear as you were talking. Like I couldn't stop smiling. Like, or I Zach Wilson. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's Faraz. It's all in a Brees Hall in the backfield. I mean, Michael Carter, there you go. too. Like, there we go. That's again, what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it's all comes back to the quarterback, too. It's like Jug- Joe Douglas can stack this deck as much as possible. It's just all on Zach Wilson. But I think he's got the potential to have a, like a breakout season, Zach Wilson does. Like, this is an offense I believe in overall, the system, everything. So, um, I gosh, it's like I'm, I'm feeling a little weirdly optimistic about the Jets. And, and you bet, would know better than anybody. That's yeah. a dangerous <laughs> game. Yeah, it's a dangerous. dangerous game. It's a dangerous 100%. game. Um, Garrett Wilson, though. Uh, I think he is one of the best. I, I gave him the the title in my superlatives article, which if people want to try out reception perception, they don't want to pay for it yet, but they want to try it out. Uh, receptionperception.com, you go to the superlatives article. That's a free article. Anyone can check that out there. Uh, I named him the best after catch receiver in this year's class because he led the groups, the group that was charted in percentage of plays where he was out in space and broke multiple tackles. Like he's a big play machine with the ball in his hands. Super explosive. Um, he can break tackles. He can win with speed out there. But he's also a really good separator, man. I mean, you look at his route chart, a lot of green on there you know he gets open deep short intermediate every level of the field a really good zone beater good against press good against man and he's just a really strong prospect overall if people had him as the best receiver in the class really hard to argue that now i think he does have a few areas where he could tighten up the screws um where he i wouldn't be surprised if elijah moore has a better fantasy season in fact i think we should probably project that elijah moore will have the better fantasy season this year because he was just a guy who was such a good technician ready to hit the NFL field and rock last year when the quarterback play uh, cooperated when they actually, you know, put him on the damn field. Uh, so that was, that was nice. Right. Um, but uh, Garrett Wilson, couple areas to tweak, you know, he's got some drop issues. He's got a few moments where he makes some mistakes overall, even in the open field where I think he's great. He can still take weird angles, stuff like that. It's small, small criticisms to the point that I compare him to a guy like Deontay Johnson. Um, and I'm a big Deontay Johnson mm. fan. RP is really high on Deontay Johnson, but even the biggest backer out there would admit the guy makes some mistakes every now and again. That's why I think that comp makes sense for Garrett Wilson. Um, just a super explosive player. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a number one receiver. Him and Moore, just an awesome tandem. I can't wait to see. That's another team I can't wait to see who lines up in the slot, who lines up at X, who lines up at flanker. They've got a lot of potential there. And Chris Olave, now I think he – I would be 0% surprised. I'm going to project Drake London. I'm going to rank Drake London the highest among these rookies in Dynasty and in Redraft. But, man, 
I would be zero percent surprised if Chris Olave has the best fantasy season, has the most, has like leads all rookies in yards this year, uh, just because I think he is a ready-made pro. He was number one in success rate versus man and press coverage among the guys charted for reception perception. Just a true blue technician who did not score uh, lower than average on any route on the route tree. I mean, he knows how to win short, intermediate, and deep. And he's got a great – he's a great ball tracker down the field too, which is why I think him and Jameis Winston – I mean, if they let Jameis cook this year, like he's going to be flinging a lot of passes downfield to Chris Olave, who I think is a ready-made starter right now. He's that good of a player. Uh, He's probably my favorite prospect among the guys uh, this year. Not my number one ranked receiver, but my favorite guy uh, overall. Wow. Now, in terms of landing spot for Olave, I'm thinking Jameis Winston is better than what people think, right? And especially for fantasy and being able to create fantasy points for his wide receivers, right? He didn't have Michael Thomas last year, and now he gets him and Chris Olave. So you got MT, you got Olave, you got Kamara, right? Those are some, those are a few solid weapons for him in the pass game. Uh, You know, not to mention ancillary pieces like like Callaway and Traquan, right? So I I think a lot of people might be down on this landing spot, and I've seen that. I've seen a lot of that, and I'm not so down on it, personally. Uh, I wish Sean Payton was still there, right? But besides that, right, uh, I think he can be, uh, Jameis can be solid for fantasy purposes. I think Chris Olave definitely can be uh, solid for fantasy purposes alongside, you know, Michael Thomas, assuming that he could stay healthy uh, for, you know, for this year. And and two, with Michael Thomas, he's just a bit of an odd guy right i mean it's just it's been a rocky last two years he's way to describe him <laughs> yeah he's just he's a there's a different type of dude is what people say about him which is fine everybody's different um but like he's been off and on you know with like whether he was going to be with the saints going forward now it seems like they're on pretty good terms but you know even when like deshaun watson chose not to go to new orleans he said like he tweeted out like can't blame him or whatever which even if that's not what he meant very weird timing to do that again just a different type of dude whatever so if things ever disintegrated or injury issues popped up for Michael Thomas, like you're looking at Chris Olave walking into a boatload of targets. Cause we know what the saints wide receiver room looked like last year. You know, it was, it got thin really, really fast. Um, it's still basically just Olave, Michael Thomas, and a lot of the same cast characters from last year. So um, I think there's a lot more upside with Chris Olave than people think. Yeah, and, and and that's one thing that I've been seeing a lot of in terms of, you know, Chris Olave not having that number one wide receiver potential. Um, do you think that he could potentially play uh, that role of being a number one wide receiver on an offense? I don't really get where that comes from. I know some of it's a size perspective. Um, some people think he's not a physical player. He certainly is not good after the catch. Like every stat back set up, uh, you'll see. Yeah, that that is definitely a hole in his game. Um, look, they're not comparable players at all because of the size perspective. But like Mike Evans has never been a great after catch player. Um, like if you're going to be a guy who wins down the field, which I think Chris Olave will be, um, you can put up a ton of production just being a, a intermediate and deep primarily an intermediate and deep wide receiver um he's just not a guy that you're going to scheme a bunch of touches to he's not going to be like drake london where you're going to try or garrett wilson or Traylon burks we're going to try to get these guys in the open field and let him go to work um he's just a pure traditional wide receiver not sort of in the new vein of guys that we've seen pop up but i think he could absolutely lead a team in targets and you know i i compared him to calvin ridley um calvin ridley was a guy that's like yeah i don't didn't really think he was going to be a number one i didn't think he would necessarily easily project new number one receiver role um but he walked in as a a ready-made number two right away was the starter for the atlanta falcons 
And then he kind of grew into a number one receiver before his career stalled out once yep. Julio Jones transitioned out. I think we could potentially see the same story play out with Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. It's 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 funny you mentioned the Calvin uh, Ridley. I feel so much better about my own ability to watch film now because, like, literally on my post about Olave, I mentioned he's not good after the catch, and the pro comp I got a picture of Calvin Ridley right in there. And there we it go. This kind of seems like the same. Like he'll find the soft spot in the zone, and he's good to get that chunk yardage. But where he makes that catch is where that ball is going to be. Basically. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. So and, and Calvin Ridley always had that knack to kind of just get open. And it's funny because you mentioned not being good after the catch. I don't know if you've seen that compilation video kind of like making fun of Calvin Ridley like gambling on himself or he would like, uh, take yeah. the ball and like run backwards or like yes, run sideways awesome, <laughs> <laughs> the ex- perfect example of not being good after the catch so I, right. I like that comp a lot <laughs> so so Jamison Williams right coming off of that torn ACL doesn't seem to be thrilled to be a lion <laughs> after seeing his introductory <laughs> press conference photos <laughs> so what, what do you what do you think the deal with that is because like i thought i kind of felt the same way when um Justin when, even when they inter- well yeah 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 but they even interviewed um they interviewed jameson williams right after he got drafted and he get, just gave like i think it's melissa stark right from nfl network like yeah. just gave her nothing i mean yeah. it was just dead pen nothing but there and, and there are and there are a lot of pictures of him like celebrating with lions fans afterwards like so there so maybe yeah. he just hates the media i, I don't know I, I don't know no i mean i've seen him smile with the media before that's the thing like like and, and the people on twitter were posting like pictures of him smiling with the right. media and, like all that so it's like the only time we see him like just like just like this like is during that introductory press conference. Like I do not want to be here right now. This is not. I, and it's I so funny to too. It's just so funny too because Aiden Hutchinson is like you know so happy to be there, and Jamison <laughs> yeah. Williams just like kind of hair in his face and just yeah. I don't know if you guys uh, saw this, but uh, Aiden Hutchinson was like trying to congratulate Jameson. They're, they were in the hallway of the NFL draft, and um, you know Aiden walks up to Jameson like, "Hey, Jameson." He goes, "What's up?" Oh, Aiden, Aiden, hey, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? You know, it's just like he was, he just, he, he was just, I don't think he was too happy, you know what I mean? And he wanted to be a nice guy to Aiden, obviously, he's, you know. (laughs) It's got to be the fact that he was a fourth wide receiver taken. And I think that's one of the for these guys. Like, he sees, you know, uh, the Saints trading up for Olave. He sees Wilson go in front of him. He sees London go in front of him. I feel like some of these guys feel like they should, they're, you know, every guy in the draft is the best guy in this draft class, so. Uh, he might have taken that mentality to the point where and there was a lot of steam on on there was a lot of steam on Williams as like the potentially the first wide yeah, receiver leading up to the draft. There was some like talk like Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta yeah. or even like the Jets. Like there was some talk like, hey, if the Jets mm-hmm. want him at t- if, if they want him at ten, they better just take him at four because teams are going to be ready to to get up there. But I don't know. I kind of i i i ranked him wide receiver four. I felt pretty comfortable. I mean, look, James Williams probably doesn't agree with me, but I felt. <laughs> felt like he, he was the fourth wide receiver in the draft. I think it made sense. And the landing spot, right, guys, is the is the biggest surprise of it because no one saw Detroit making that trade up, especially for a wide receiver. With the Vikings, nonetheless. Yeah. The fishing right, rifle. Right. Yeah, that was it was nuts. Um, but obviously we all know that Jamison Williams can totally burn fast one of the fastest players just on the field. You see him outrun SEC defenses like everybody on the defense at least two or three times a game. Um I think obviously good player against success rate versus man press uh, excuse me success rate versus zone and man definitely a guy who knows how to get open. Uh the areas where I think he can improve uh curl routes, comebacks, those routes where he's going to snap back to the quarterback. That's the t- that's the type of thing that can take you from being just a situational deep threat to like a number one receiver. You know, is he going to be more of 
like a Mike Wallace, or is he going to be more Deshaun Jackson? Is he going to be Will Fuller? Is he going to be, again, kind of like a Tyree Kill type of guy? You know, Hill, Jackson, those guys knew how to control their speed, throttle down, snap back to the quarterback while selling that vertical pattern. You know, that just leaves you like with yards and yards of separation. Um, is he going to be one of those type of guys, or is he going to be more of like a Mike Wallace, who I think is um, kind of a comfortable comparison for him right now because he's not great off the line of scrimmage. There's some issues against press coverage for sure, but there's a lot of potential there. Um, if he can develop sort of those areas in his game, I think he could become a number one receiver, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being more of a better NFL player than a fantasy player, just because mm. like, if you're not going to be a Deshaun Jackson, if you're not going to be, you know, a Tyree kill and command a ton of targets, if you're going to be that Mike Wallace type of guy, you know, you typically want someone else in the receiver court to go along, uh, with, with you. And I, I mean, they have a good guy in Amon Ross St. Brown there who I'm a big fan of, like. I think those two guys actually really from a skill set perspective complement each other really well. So I see why yeah. Detroit looked at those two players and were like, we have to go get Williams because he will actually really complete this offense and where we want to go. And, and they have a bunch of underneath guys, right? They have Swift, they have yeah. Hawk, they have they have Amon Ra, right? And like just adding him brings that element of speed, opens up the entire open opens up the entire offense um and creates space, right? Um, now I, 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 and I could be wrong about this, but I do, I don't see him making a huge impact, especially year one coming off of the yeah. ACL. Right. I, I love the skill set, obviously. Um, now Dwayne, Dwayne McFarland did an awesome study on, on those, uh, staple routes that, that, uh, players coming into the NFL are asked to run and, and Jameson Williams, uh, actually like passed that with flying colors in terms of getting open. Um, on those staple routes at a very high percentage, uh, almost near uh, the level of, of Garrett Wilson uh, and Chris Olave. Um, so it's, it's interesting that, you know, on those routes, he was able to to kind of get open. Uh, but I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about him selling that vertical route. What did you see in the in, in the charting that you've done so far in terms of selling those vertical rocks routes, making those comebacks. Do you think he's not there yet? Do you think he does some of that properly? What did you see there? Yeah, I would say he's not where he needs to be yet, but there's plenty of signs that he can get there from a route running perspective. Um, uh, you know, with these guys, again, like the, the thin deep threat, like leaner guys, you want them to be in that flanker role. I don't think he probably profiles as a true X receiver. So you're going to get him away from press coverage a decent amount. So that's not like a damning note, but I think obviously the stronger and more convicted he is in terms of selling those release moves uh, off the line of scrimmage, but also further on down the route, you know, selling the vertical route and then snapping it back, like cleanly comfortably and not getting tangled up with the cornerback when he's trying to come back on the curl or on the comeback route. I think that's what, again, that's going to be the difference between is he a, you know, 90 to a hundred target guy who you're living off big plays. You know, he's a, he's a great player. I actually think in a way is small tangent here like I actually think in a way he has a great floor as a player because and I'm talking strictly from an NFL perspective and not from a fantasy perspective like he because he's going to get out there and he's going to dictate coverages and he's going to dictate the way defenses approach the Detroit Lions if he goes out there and he rips up a few big plays early on everybody knows the speed profile um, and he's going to make a handful of game-changing plays across the course of a season that's going to be great for the Lions. Now, so again, is he going to be that type of guy, the 90 target guy who makes those big plays sporadically and dictates coverages? Or is he going to be a true number one receiver? I think some of those technical uh, issues that we're talking about here, taking those from average 
to great or even average to elite. That's the that's the difference here between a, a 90 target guy who dictates coverages and makes big plays to a guy who gets like 120, 130 targets and is somebody that's among, you know, the 15 best receivers in football or something like that. Okay. I love that. I love that. That's, that's great context. Now, moving on to the 16th pick in the NFL, NFL draft, John Dotson was taken a lot earlier than I thought yeah. he was going to be taken. Um, <laughs> you know, 16th overall to the Commanders. Um, my guess, you know, when looking at him earlier and going over his prospect profile was that he would start in the slot, you know, for, for a handful of teams. And I think with the Commanders, um, I personally kind of see McLaurin as the X, Curtis Samuel as the potential flanker, and maybe him be able to produce right away out of the slot. Um, you know, he did play on the outside a ton in at, at Penn State, uh, but it seemed a little early for me for that type of player. But, you know, maybe I'm off on that, Matt. Um, what, what are you thinking when you see Dotson go that early? Yeah, my, my best friend, my, he's like my brother. Uh, we grew up together around the D.C. area, actually. He's a huge command i mean commanders fan wherever they are now like um <laughs> he's texting me on the night of the draft like why do you know try and i'm trying to sell him on the pick right because <laughs> i like i like Jahan dotson a lot but he's like you looking at you know the big boards and stuff like why do we take this guy at 16 um but i'm like let's focus on the positives here because i think he's a good player man like um i thought he would have been a slam dunk second round pick i would have totally understood if a team like you know green bay or kansas city took him at the end of the the first round i think you know him going where he went really sort of like that's why teams like the packers or or or, or kansas city were like let's take a let's take a stop here for a second you know and not be the ones to continue to reach on wide receivers in the first round. Um, but Dotson, I think he's got the best hands in the draft, lowest drop rate among the guys on reception perception, and number four in contested catch rate. Like the guy knows how to reliably catch the football and he knows how to track balls down the field. And I mean, I thought I felt bad for Drake London watching him and his quarterback play. And then I watched Penn State and my God, I mean, I'm sorry, Sean Clifford and the fellas there. They sucked, man. Like, so I, he knows how to track those off target passes and win contested catches when he gets thrown into those situations. And I also think he's the best receiver beating zone coverage in this draft. I think it's him and Garrett Wilson at a, as a pretty good one, two there. Um, 87.4% success rate versus zone coverage for Jahan Dotson. Again, that's right up with some of the best receivers. I think he probably is a slot guy, at least early on, you know, maybe uh, him and Curtis Samuel can split the Z receiver duties. I agree with you. I think that uh, Curtis Samuel is better fit as a Z receiver than a slot receiver um, playing as the flanker on the outside there. And that was really where he had, you know, his, his best season in terms of separation. Now, Kyle Allen was not cooperating from a quarterback perspective in Carolina. Um, that, and that This coaching staff, Scott Turner, Ron Rivera, that's how they used him. And I think that's the role they pegged him for when they signed him to, to go there to Washington as well. So um, I like the way Washington's receivers are set up right now. And I, I think Jahan Dotson, my player comp for him, was Doug Baldwin. Because think about mm. like a guy who won from the slot, but could get down the field, wasn't like the Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder, pop gun slot receiver types. You know, we talked about Braxton Berrios earlier. Like, that's the typical slot receiver. These guys like Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, Elijah Moore, Jahan Dotson, these verticals, but still small slot guys. I think he fits into that archetype uh, of player. And, you know, again, just so reliable. And uh, I'm, I'm not calling Russell Wilson a bad quarterback, of course, but like the way Doug Baldwin would bail out Russell Wilson on those like chaotic scramble drills. Very reminiscent to Jahan Dotson 
bailing out his bad quarterbacks in chaotic situations that they caused in college. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you know what? I mean, it, it seems like they drafted somebody who could produce from day one, right? So, right. you know, and they need, they need it. They yeah, need it. They need the help. They need the help. No, for sure. And, and you know, we don't really know what's going to happen with Curtis Samuel this year, right? He had that lingering injury last year. Hopefully he'll be all right. You know, he has, he has an offseason to recover. It, it seemed like something that he kind of couldn't get over last season. So, yeah. you know, listen, if the, all three of those guys are healthy, you know, that, that offense, you know, could be okay. You know, I know, you know, they don't have the best quarterback in the world, but, you know, right. Like <laughs> the way you categorized Jalen Hurts earlier <laughs> from a mediocre to a little bit below average. I think, you know, that that is a, is a good little sweet spot right there that, you know, those receivers could potentially, you know, help Carson Wentz, um, you know, sustain that offense a little bit. You could make um, an argument, though, that this is a much from just a pass catching standpoint, this is a yeah. much better situation than Carson Wentz was in last year. I mean, I'm I like Michael Pittman. I'm a big Michael Pittman fan. I think he's the number one receiver. I think Terry McLaurin is is better than Michael Pittman, and yeah. that's it though. Yeah, right. Like Curtis Samuel, if he plays, if he's healthy, better than any of the goofballs behind Michael Pittman on that <laughs> roster last year. Jahan Dotson certainly better than like a Paris Campbell slot receiver or whatever T. Y. Hilton has left. So, um, you know, they have Logan Thomas at tight end. I think he can still play. Uh, they'll. I will see what happens. The backfield is going to be. Oh boy, that's going to be a fun one to track. Uh, in <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, and obviously Frank Reich, really great play call, and of course Jonathan Taylor, better than any of the guys they've got back there. But from a pure receiving perspective, this is a, a big upgrade for Wentz, and, and it's better than what he had in Philly too, right? Yes, um, 100%. In, in Philly, he didn't really have uh, too many receivers to throw to either, right? So um, this might be his best receiving core, assuming they stay healthy. Yeah. Now we thought we might go. I mean, at least I thought we might go through this whole draft without the Packers taking a wide receiver, right? <laughs> uh, but they do, in fact, take Christian Watson at the top of the second round. Uh, played in the FCS, right? Was probably the best wide receiver in the FCS, um, at least coming out. Now I have a few questions when it comes to Watson. Number one, do you see a developmental player in Watson? Uh, do you think he could be Aaron Rodgers' number one wide receiver uh, in year one? And number two, was it tough to chart him? given his level of competition. Yeah. So this year, uh, in order to get more guys on the website, uh, you know, I have full prospect profiles on 12 guys. Uh, that was the same as I did last year because, because college film is harder to come across than, than NFL film. And certainly at the FCS level, definitely harder to come across. <laughs> um, I put a feature up this year called the rookie roundup where I took like two or three game samples of guys. And, and so they're not like the normal eight game sample for reception perception, not the normal sample sizes. So they're not going to affect like historical percentiles or success rates or anything like that. But just to kind of give people a taste of these guys, Christian Watson was one of those players, Calvin Austin, Khalil Shakir, cause a couple of names in the rookie roundup. But um, yeah, I, I obviously again, uh, Christian Watson fit, fit into that group. So not a player that, he's just a tough player to evaluate man because like even in that offense they're running the ball a ton not getting a ton of pass routes um i don't feel like i even said this and I, just to be honest like, i don't feel super comfortable with the data the route data that we have of him just because it's such a limited sample size however i do think certainly a, a, a raw player uh, he's he's got to get better in terms of being precise on his cuts he's got to get better you know there's just not a lot of reps uh, of him against press coverage either. He's just a very big projection right now, but I think if he hits, I think he could be a player. You know, I know MVS is like the popular comp, which I wonder how that makes Packers fans feel right. Like, I don't know. Like we just, it's a weird, it's a weird comp for me. Yeah. It's I weird. Cool. 
Chase Claypool. I said Martavis Bryant. Uh, as a kind of, a, yeah, like a, a lean outside the numbers guy who obviously can rip it up deep. Like the speed for Christian Watson is legit. And it's not just like combine speed. And I think he's got more control yeah. over his speed. Everybody talked about what he did at the senior bowl. I wasn't at the senior bowl, so I, I don't know. But you know, said that he was he showed a lot of potential there. Maybe that's where the Packers kind of fell in love. But they love traits, man. They love size, speed, athleticism, all that stuff. He checks those boxes. But like Martavis Bryant, the area where he really shines to me, and I do feel comfortable saying this, you know, he was out in space on 26.7%. And that's just a play where he's in the open field and can break a tackle. 26% of his routes, and he was only brought down on first contact on 50% of those plays. Like, that was where Martavis Bryant was really freaky. Obviously, he made some great big plays as a vertical receiver, but there were some plays like that one against the Cardinals, you know, when he came back, I think, from one of his many suspensions. Just they put the ball in his hand and just let him roll, man. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's really, like, in a best-case scenario – um, Christian Watson could be like a Martavis Bryant type of player. Um, and that's sort of like there's some good and bad there. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I was at the Senior Bowl. You know, I, I really I, I took a good look at him. You know, I don't have the same eye you do, Matt, when it comes to wide receivers. But um, he was looking pretty good against press coverage, against man coverage, um, especially down the end zone. Obviously, you know, there was a little stumbling and bumbling when it came to, like, press coverage, you know, where he <laughs> sure. would, like, try to beat his man, you know, maybe mm-hmm. stumble a little bit. But – you know, he's such a freak athlete that he would still yeah. win the route. Yeah. Like, he could still win the route, you know, even with that happening. And the fact that he was going against FBS guys, right, at the Senior Bowl um, and was able to kind of show that that, that ability. So uh, he looked like he belonged, right? He didn't look like somebody who, you know, was consistently getting beat. Um, so I think the Senior Bowl definitely did help him a ton uh, because, you know, we kind of saw him against, like, legit competition. So um, let's let's move on to the next pick here. I, I want to know what you think about George Pickens. You mentioned him earlier. Um, you know, he had to deal with that ACL injury last season. Uh, he also dealt with some terrible quarterback play the year before that, oh, yeah. um, but had an amazing, <laughs> amazing freshman year, right? He broke out at 18. Um, you know, <laughs> the joke that was floating around, uh, you know, that it was a bit savage of the Steelers to send Chase Claypool up to the podium to announce right. that Pittsburgh is drafting his replacement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you think that there could be some truth to that in terms of Pickens' talent level? Right. Um, obviously, Deontay Johnson on the last year of his contract, who knows what happens there. Uh, yeah. But do you think Pickens can potentially be a number one alpha wide receiver in the NFL? Yeah, I said this uh, going into the draft that like NFL evaluators who, again, they love that classic X receiver, the throwback number one style of guy. They're going to love George Pickens because he is the best X receiver in this draft class. Um, You know, from just a size perspective, you see him playing a ton of X receiver. That was the role he played for Georgia. There's no projection there. Um, You know, he was on the line of scrimmage and outside more than any other receiver charted for reception perception in that X receiver role. And he was still third best among guys charted against press coverage and success rate versus press coverage. Like he showed the ability to win off the line of scrimmage. And I actually think he's pretty good as an underneath receiver slants, curls, stuff like that. Um, And he can obviously make some freaky catches down the field as well. You know, sometimes with him, I do think he's a little bit of an inconsistent player, like not fully developed yet. Sometimes I'm like, man, I'm watching T Higgins. Other times I'm like, I'm watching Dante Moncrief. Um, so that gives you kind of the range there for George Pickens. But again, those guys, classic X receivers. T Higgins is doing it at a really high level right now. Dante Moncrief, 
never really did, could sustain and do it for at a high level at the NFL uh, with the Colts or obviously with the Steelers too. Again, a lot of Steelers talk here. Uh, but yeah, George Pickens, I think he could be um, – I don't know if – maybe he'll be a year one impact player because they totally need it, right? The Steelers – didn't get a good season out of Chase Claypool last year. Like, obviously, some of it is Ben Roethlisberger and the fact that he had a dead arm, but I think Claypool makes a lot of mistakes in contested situations. I think he needs to develop as a route runner still. You know, when they tried to put more on his plate last year, it didn't go that well. Um, you know, whereas as a rookie, his role was pretty well dialed back and he showed the ability to kind of win um on some layup routes he needs to develop as a full field guy uh he's not there yet maybe george pickens is more pro ready than chase claypool was at, at, at this similar point in their developments um so i think there's a chance george pickens could have a year one role i really want to see where they line these guys up right because you know juju was a slot receiver and now they've added another pure x receiver um, does that mean Deontay Johnson's going to run more out of the slot this year? Are they going to try to line Chase Claypool up inside? You know, remember Chase Claypool was a guy that people thought should move to tight end. You know, when he played at Notre Dame, I, I don't know that that is necessarily what, what needs to happen, but uh, maybe he benefits more from playing inside. I don't know. They also drafted Calvin Austin, who's in the reception perception rookie roundup. I'm a big fan of Calvin Austin. Like, you couldn't pick two different builds in terms of George Pickens and <laughs> Calvin Austin. But Calvin Austin was out there playing X receiver in college, getting open, winning at a pretty high rate, and kind of winning contested catches at a decent rate too, winning against press coverage at a decent rate. He's not going to play that role in the NFL because of his build, but like maybe he emerges as the Steelers' long-term slot receiver. Like I think there's a lot of intrigue to part. Like Deontay Johnson's a, a number one guy. I think you can obviously the contract situation notwithstanding, I think you can project him into that role. But then, like with Claypool and Pickens and Austin, I'm kind of really ready ready to, to believe anything with these guys. Yeah, no, for sure. And the Steelers, like, they seem to know what they're doing when they draft wide receivers, right? Like, we, we, we might want to put a little bit of weight, you know, to who they draft and what their opinion is, right? Um, and speak, you brought up Calvin Austin. He was some. He was another guy who was at the Senior Bowl. And I'm going to tell you this right now: like, nobody could cover him. Like, yeah, there was nobody yeah, at right? the Senior Bowl. Who could cover him? If you're talking one-on-ones, if you're talking press coverage, it didn't matter. The dude knew how to release off the line, and he was out. He was out. Yeah. They could not cover him. So, um, and, and it was it was it was at a it was at the point where, um, it was really at the point where if he lined up on on the outside, they had like they they kind of like moved the safety over to that side because he actually needed help, right? <laughs> when they were doing the scrimmages, like we saw, we saw it all the time. We continually saw the defenses shift toward Calvin Austin's side uh, throughout practices, um, which was super interesting. Now, one guy that keeps getting compared to Calvin Austin is Wondell Robinson, right? And he went super early, right? A lot earlier, like a few rounds earlier than yeah. I thought he was going to go uh, to the Giants. I thought David, Dave Gettleman uh, was making a comeback. Uh, if, <laughs> if, 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 if you made a guest pick for, for, for the Giants, um, now, Calvin Austin, right, didn't play in the Power Five like Wandale Robinson did. Uh, but, but just mm -hmm. curious, like, which if if you if you had to choose between these two guys, obviously, you know, Calvin Austin was picked. You know, I, I think it was like once in the one sixties or one fifties to the Steelers, um, and 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 you know, Wandale was in the second. Like, if you had to choose, just just one guy to be on your offense, would it be Wandale or would it be Calvin Austin? I think I would have picked Calvin Austin, man. Um, I, I think he's just a better pure receiver. Um, you know, I, when, again, I said like, you know, 
Calvin Austin's in that kind of small gadget receiver body, but w- played like a pure receiver in college, like a pure, again, a pure X receiver, which is absurd given his frame. Um, but Wandale Robinson, a little more as expected, right? In the games that I charted for him, you know, he was in the backfield or the slot on 66.5% of his sample snap. He was off the line of scrimmage on 79%. So he was definitely more of a, a move around guy. You know, he ran a screen pass on 18% of the routes that I charted. So he's, much more, I think, in that create a touch type of um, type of role. I think that's where you're projecting him. I think it's look the pick clearly sends a message about where they're at with Kadarius Tony. I, I don't care what the Giants say. There's clearly something there. Um, which <laughs> no shock if you read his reception perception profile. There's a lot of development that needed to go on there, and I don't think that Tony has approached it the right way so far in the NFL based on what we've seen. So um, I think that Wandale Robinson is a pretty good player, though. Like I think he can. And he does, I will say this to his credit, like pretty good ball skills, 70% contested catch rate guy can win. Uh, despite being a smaller player, he's not at all shy of contact. He can win in tight coverage and he's got more success on downfield routes. I think like dig routes, corner routes, stuff like that than you would expect. So, um, I think he's probably more of a hybrid player, you know, which is fine. Everybody's kind of looking for that guy right now. Um, but yeah, I, I did like Calvin Austin better. I, I will say, despite yeah. the, the wide range in their draft status. Yeah, no, that's crazy, man. Um, so, so one guy we we actually missed that I, I didn't touch on. A lot of people are like, "Hey, man, what's up?" Traylon Burks, right? Traylon Burks, yeah. Titans trade away AJ Brown. They draft Traylon Burks like what, like ten minutes later, right? Uh, yes. A lot of people have Burks comped to AJ Brown. Um, I, I don't personally. Uh, I understand yeah. why, based on his build and all that. Um, but I, I don't see that now. Burks ran a ton out of the slot and, and the backfield, uh, over his college career. He definitely had some run on the outside, not a whole lot. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll say this like, he, you know, yes, he has Robert Woods there, right? But he pretty much has no competition for targets, uh, and touches in that wide receiver room right now outside of Woods. And, and Woods is coming off that ACL, he's 30 years old, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that he can have a, a, a pretty good year one. Um, you know, but I'm hoping that the Titans just use him right, right? That's really my concern, right? Um, you know, don't put him on the outside and expect him to just play that AJ Brown role, right? Like, so what are your thoughts on Burks as a prospect, right? And what do you think his range of outcomes are? Because I, I think he might have like the, one of the widest range of outcomes out of, you know, especially when it comes to like the top five or six wide receivers. So just, just curious to hear your thoughts on the whole situation. I agree with you. Uh, I basically agree with everything that you just said. You know, Kurt Warner said it best uh, when uh, the draft was going on and everybody's like, yeah, he compares directly to AJ Brown. And then Kurt Warner said, like, we got to be careful about comparing guys to each other just because they look like each other. And, you know, the similar height and, and, and size and everything, that's fine. But, you know, what AJ Brown's doing in the NFL and what Traylon Burks is doing in college could not be more different. Um, I like, I like Traylon Burks. I, I just would like him in the right role. Like you said, I think he projects – as like a, a really good big slot receiver, you know, AJ Brown, again, when he was, he just hit the NFL field and he was an X receiver for the Titans. I just don't see Traylon Burks being that guy. He's too raw against press coverage. Like I don't care about his yards per route run on his 20 routes versus press coverage or any of that stuff. Like, um, you know, especially because they're boosted by a couple long catch and run plays, like go back and watch those plays against press coverage. Like he, he bullies Alabama's fourth string corner. And then, like, the guy falls over and he runs in the end zone. That doesn't tell me much about how he's going to beat press coverage in the NFL. Um, I think a player, my player comparison for him is Juju Smith-Schuster. Not that different in terms of the, the size perspective. Everybody hates Juju now, but, like, 
I think he's a pretty good slot, big slot receiver is Juju Smith-Schuster. And I think Traylon Burks can be as well. Um, you know, he lined up in the slot a ton. He's pretty good against zone coverage too. Like you, even if he's got questions as, as a man press beater, like if he faces a ton of zone on the inside, I think he's pretty smart about knowing where to sit down against zone coverage. He's obviously good in the open field. Juju Smith-Schuster made some pretty big plays as an after catch guy. People forget about in his first couple of years. So um, I just want to see, I'm with you though, man. How are the Titans going to use him? How are they going to deploy him? Because to me, it's like they've got Derrick Kent. It feels like they're just leaning even harder into being the Titans, you know, like these the big physical run the ball downhill team with Derrick Henry. They draft the best rushing quarterback in the draft class, Malik Willis. They, you know, they take Traylon Burks, who I think Traylon Burks could help them out in the run game. They trade for Robert Woods, who like everybody talks about what a great blocker he is, you know, stuff like that. So um, I don't know. I'm 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 a little like cautious about being too over my skis on Traylon Burks but obviously set up for a ton of a ton of volume and I do think he can be a really good NFL player just has to be in the right role I'd be stunned I'd be stunned if he is like and and good you know if he does good for him I'd be stunned if he's a x receiver right away and just like I feel almost feel bad for him bro that like everybody compares him to AJ Brown because they're built the same way and like they just traded AJ Brown and like now he's going to drop <laughs> this guy into that role. I feel almost, almost <laughs> so bad for him for the comparisons that are going to come his way. I know. I really hope that it doesn't happen, you know, for because the thing is, like, he could be a very exciting player if he's given the right role, right? He could be amazing. Yeah. And I think he has the upside to be amazing, even for fantasy. Uh, but yeah. they just can't pigeonhole him into a specific role that he might not be able to excel at, right? That's, that's the only concern. Um, now, Real quick, want to talk about Sky Moore, his landing spot paired with Patrick Mahomes on an offense that just lost Tyreek Hill. You know, his his level of competition in the group of five wasn't super high, right? But he was probably one of the best, if not the best wide receiver, uh, you know, in the power five. Or, I'm sorry, outside the power five. So, so where do you think Sky Moore will line up on the Chiefs offense? You know, maybe some of that has to do with Juju's ability as well. Um, and do you think that he has a chance to differentiate himself potentially as the top target behind Travis Kelsey? I can't believe Sky Moore was like, was he like the 10th receiver off the board, even farther yeah. down than that? I mean, Giants taking Wandale Robinson with Sky Moore's on the board. Like, come on. Like, that's nuts. Right. Exactly. Um, dude, Sky, Sky Moore is a great player. I really am excited about him. He absolutely ripped it up in his reception perception sample. Um, again, you brought it up, lower level of competition. I, I always say this with people. When, when we look at players, especially at the college level, at NFL level, I mean, I think like the level of competition is is solid enough that you don't need to go like, okay, let's adjust this guy because he's facing this. I don't think it's that drastic in terms of like adjusting these reception perception numbers. But at the college level, absolutely Sky Moore is not playing against the same level of competition as a Chris Olave, a Drake London, and certainly a Jamison Williams in the SEC or George Pickens. Um, but Sky Moore was number one in success rate versus zone coverage, number one in success rate versus man, number two, or excuse me, number two in success rate versus man and press coverage. So really good player knows how to get open and that's the thing like if you're going to go out against lower level of competition crush those guys and that's what sky Moore did um that's that was the assignment he knew the assignment and he he dominated in it so um that doesn't mean like when i say that i don't mean like oh he's definitely better than jamison williams or Traylon burks or drake london or any of these guys like but it just shows look he was he was really good and i think that's the important note here with reception perception with these college prospects um I'm with you, though. I can't wait to see where they line him up because I think he's got enough release moves, enough of a package in terms of his uh, ability to get off press coverage 
that he could potentially play as an outside guy. You know, Juju, we know, is a pure big slot receiver. MVS is, um, you know, a, a decoy situational deep threat guy who's a really good blocker. Um, Sky Moore could be the one who kind of gets those touches, you know, short and intermediate areas, but also can rip it down the field. Um, I compared him to – there's a lot of more going on here, but I compared him to DJ Moore, um, who's a player that I previously compared to Golden Tate, who everybody compares Sky Moore to Golden Tate. So somewhere along that axis of player, um, I think he could play a little bit more outside than, than we give him credit for. No, I like that. <clears throat> I really do. Now, I want to move on to to the Colts uh, and them, you know, taking Alec Pierce one pick ahead of Sky Moore. Um, Sky Moore was I, the thirteenth wide receiver, by the way. I counted that up. Oh, thirteenth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, he was he was probably like eighth or ninth on on, on, on what I had, something like that. Um, but uh, wide receiver six. Me, wide receiver six for me. Um, there you go. I, I, yeah, I, I I really really liked him. Yeah. No, I. I and, and with with Alec Pierce, like I, I personally think Pierce is like like you were talking about with Jameson Williams, potentially more of that NFL difference maker than a fantasy difference maker. Um, like w- when I watch Alec Pierce and, and the fact that he they took him before Sky Moore for me, it was just like I have Alec Pierce ranked really low personally. Um, now when I watch him and when I look at the numbers, I see a guy who can stretch the defense, make contested catches, and that's really about it. Like I I, I didn't see a ton more than that. Am I missing anything there? You know, do you think the Colts made a mistake grabbing Pierce over a guy like Sky Moore? Obviously there are certain needs you want to, you want to, you know, stretch the field, that sort of thing. Uh, But I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on, on, on them taking him over Sky Moore, for example? I think you nailed the analysis on Alec Pierce. Like, but I will say this, you look at his route chart on receptionperception.com success rate uh, is success rate by route chart wins on slants. Flats, posts, nines, that's it. <laughs> it's just deep stuff, slants. He actually, I said this in his profile. My comparison for him is like kind of the bad takes that people had about DK Metcalf when he came out when they were like, <laughs> he just knows how to run slants and goes. Like, that's Alec Pierce. Right. I was wrong as hell about DK Metcalf. Those were bad takes, but that's all Alec Pierce does. Slants, deep routes, but he's a good contested catch receiver. Um, I, yeah, I personally would rank Sky more higher, but obviously the Colts wanted – sort of a more pure outside receiver who is going to be more of a vertical threat and win those contested passes. Like I actually don't think there's too much overlap between um, a Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. Like I think that, you know, Pittman, you ideally want to get on those in breaking routes in the intermediate area Pierce. You're going to let him rip down the field. That's going to allow Michael Pittman to not be the pure vertical threat in this offense. And, you know, quick hitting patterns like those slants and flats will be great with Matt Ryan. Pittman can run those routes too. Um, I think, Michael Pittman's a much, much better prospect and player than Alec Pierce will be in the NFL. Uh, but I get why these two guys complement each other well, and I get why the Colts went that way, even though, yeah, I personally like Sky more better. Okay. Interesting. Now, the last wire, and this is the last wire receiver we want to hit on, David Bell, last wire receiver to be taken on day two, mm. extremely productive in college. You know, broke out very early. You know, not a lot of sizzle to his game. Uh, maybe zero <laughs> sizzle. Uh, but but yeah, where, does right. David, where does David Bell win, right? Where does he win? Uh, and now that he's paired with Deshaun Watson, right, that becomes a little bit more interesting, right? Can that elevate him to uh, a legit fantasy producer? 
I, I think so. Um, I'm high on David Bell as another one of these like power slot receivers. I think from an athletic perspective, you're going to want to play him inside. But he really showed the traits to win there. Uh, in his, he's in the rookie roundup as well as David Bell. 81% success rate versus zone coverage. Those are the routes he ran most often. Curls, digs. Those in-breakers, flat routes as well. If you're going to be a big slot receiver, you're going to be running a ton of flat routes against zone coverage. David Bell showed he could do that. And he's a hoss after the catch, man. Like He's tough to bring down in the open field, can win contested passes too. Um, I know the athletic comparables are going to be terrible for him, uh, but I get why the Browns looked at him like productions there. Um, you know, He just projects to be a solid slot receiver. Like What they were doing with Jarvis Landry previously just – throw David Bell in there as the younger version, right? And I mean, I think they still need an outside receiver. I don't know if Donovan Peoples-Jones is ready to be like a consistent starter. They've got Amari Cooper. They help, Maybe David Bell can be like a flanker slot hybrid. Uh, but ideally, I think you want somebody else. Just call Will Fuller already. Like you want <laughs> somebody know. else There's there to, <laughs> to take the top off the defense as your number two outside receiver. It, it's going to happen, right? Like it's going to happen. It's got to happen. Come on. Why, how has it yeah. not happened already? Everyone's gonna be drafting Mark Cooper in the fourth, well, yeah. fifth round. His finger, right? he can't, his finger, he can't reach the, the, the digits on the phone to pick it up. I don't know. <laughs> can't sign the contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The finger. All right. So, so I appreciate that analysis because I actually didn't see David Bell as somebody who would you would put in the slot. And if when you say that, it's it's almost like any receiver who who you know you you think oh in the slot huh hmm, that would be interesting you know like <laughs> you're like okay okay I, I I could I can kind of see that now before we let you go uh, are there any day three guys who might be going under the radar we mentioned Calvin Austin but you know mostly because they were taken on day three right and, and this may or may not be a Khalil Shakir question <laughs> it is, uh, oh it's good because it was going to be a Khalil Shakir answer. <laughs> Um, I really like Khalil Shakir, man. Uh, you know, he's just a player who, you know, we talk about like that's the next Debo Samuel. Khalil Shakir was used like in a Debo Samuel type role. Um, and I think he's got similar contact balance. I'm not Debo's like elite in terms of contact balance in the open field. The best. I mean, you think he's, he literally is like a one of one player, but Shakir shows the ability out in the open field to break tackles and just stay on his feet. He went down on first contact on just 47% of his in-space attempts in the reception perception rookie roundup, showed a really good ability to beat man coverage and zone coverage. Not a ton of routes against press, just 8.5% of his charted routes. But, man, I think he can win on those short in-breaking routes, and I think you get him touches in the open field, he can be something for the Bills. The landing spot is just like, hmm, it's perfect, Mm -hmm. right? Because – Jamison Crowder is there as a potential placeholder. You know, Shakir, I think, could grow into that slot receiver role. Just makes so much sense with what they've got, obviously, in Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis. You need a little more. That's the thing with Cole Beasley. Like, I talked about the pop gun slot receiver guys. Jamison Crowder is another. He's, he's at this point in his career, he's more that pop gun receiver, slot receiver. He, when Washington originally, beginning of his career, he had a little more verticality to his game. Probably not there at this point. He's just like, you need a little more, mm, you need a little more punch from that slot <laughs> receiver position. I think Shakir is a guy who can give you some punch. I love it. I love it. Joe, if you had to name one guy besides Khalil Shakir, besides Calvin Austin, day three wide receiver who could potentially do some things, I don't mean to put you in the spot, but I'm going to put you in the spot. Yeah, just a little bit here. Um, Romeo Dubs. I mean, like, and again, am I not pronouncing his last name right? Because oh, I think that's how you weird. say it. Actually, Dubs, Dubs, yeah. Dubs Romeo Dubs. <laughs> <laughs> Dubs. But I mean, like, 
obviously, you know, any wide receiver landing Green Bay at this point, just kind of who's going to take that next step. If Christian Watson doesn't take that next step, maybe maybe Dubs Stoops. I'm not going to get over that. It's Dubs, but uh, it's Dubs. <laughs> Noted. But uh, I mean, like, I, I don't really see. We talked about Calvin Austin already. Uh, Kalusha Kerr is definitely another guy we could have talked about. Uh, Bo, what was his name? Bo Melton. I've heard good Bo things. Bo Melton on Rutgers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, seventh round to the Seahawks in a room where they really don't have an answer at wide receiver three other than, I guess, Dwayne Eskridge, which... Uh, well, you know who's but... going to be good. <laughs> Bo, Bo Melton's brother coming out coming out next year at corner. He's oh, yeah? actually going to be good. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's, but... <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be looking out for that. But, uh, no, yeah, sure. as far as receivers go, the only guy I can really think of, other than guys we really talked about is Romeo Dubs, only because the landing spot his size and uh, what he could do on the offense. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious what, what happens with, uh, with, with, with uh, Justin Ross, you know, just to yeah. see like, Hey, does he, can, can he do Kansas something? City, can right? he, uh, yeah, he ended up yeah. undrafted and he ended up signing with Kansas city. So, so we'll see what happens. I, I was curious, to, you know, the fact that he landed with Kansas city, that's great. But I was just curious to see what would happen with him regardless uh, just yeah. because of that mm-hmm. monster freshman year. And obviously, you know, real health concerns there. But uh, but I couldn't believe that he went undrafted. I thought a team would take a shot on him, maybe fifth, sixth round, or even earlier. Honestly, uh, I thought it was stunning too that he didn't get like signed right away. You know, maybe that that's like okay, teams are taking their time, or he's taking his time to make a decision. But that usually is like a little bit of a red flag to like, you know, he wasn't like a, an immediate. The draft is over, signed a contract on Saturday. It took him a little bit to land with the Kansas City Chiefs, but yeah. I, I didn't think his film was as good as some people, some other guys did. Uh, you know, film watchers I respect last year really thought his film was great at last year. I reception last year, huh? results. Yeah, yeah. Not reception perception results, not as much. I, I thought he would be like a, in an Alan Lazard type of role. Again, another power slot type of guy. And, you know, Kansas City, Juju is only on a one year deal. Like, let's have him make the freaking team first. But, I mean, maybe that's a long-term replacement. One other J3 guy I just want to shout out, Kyle Phillips out of UCLA. Like, mm. goes to the Titans late in the draft. Um, look, obviously we want Traylon Burks to play as a slot, but like Traylon Burks is going to play some outside, right? He's going to play as a flanker a little bit too there. Robert Woods will be there as well. Kyle Phillips, the guy to keep an eye on, um, as a potential, like poor man's Hunter. I know it's just such a stereotypical thing, but like poor man's Hunter Renfro, right? Like, um, he just, he has that ability to beat zone coverage and, and win some decent catches there. Just somebody to keep an eye on too, because the Titans receivers stink. I mean, after, yeah. after Burks and Robert Woods, it's like, Nick Westbrook, Akina, and the guys from last year. Like that, that'll no thanks. Hey, listen, Patrick, racing Westbrook, Westbrook, Akina. You know, they, they, I've seen a fan club on Twitter. Really? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've seen him. I've seen him. I've seen him, man. You will, watch out for those guys. Honestly, every um, every weird random player in the NFL's got a, got a fan club. That's true. Everybody. Seriously, man. All right, so Patrick, Lewis. you know, we could go through each and every one of these wide receivers, but Matt, you provided us with so much actionable. Words of wisdom uh, about these guys and their landing spots. Really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, and, and again, guys, receptionperception.com. It's a must-have resource if you're truly trying, you know, to get the upper hand. It's this this this, this reception possession perception and like collaboration is working out great. By the way, right? Um, so so we really just scratched the surface on this episode. You know, on these guys. Like I said before, if you want to know. Like how often these guys win against man, against press, against zone. Reception perception is, is the resource. So uh, he's on Twitter, Matt Harmon underscore BYB. He's on Instagram with the same handle. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to promote or mention before we end this, Matt? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely only follow me on Instagram if you want pictures of like my dog and and the food I'm cooking and stuff like that. I'm terrible about posting football stay stuff for on the Instagram, food. but stay for the stay food. for the food. Stay for the food. Come come for some football every now and again. Stay for the barbecue. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, just if everybody like listen to this, just uh, subscribe to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast as well. Our podcast it's gonna be pretty fun. I think we got a lot of good stuff planned this year. Should be pretty fun. And of course, yeah, please check out receptionperception.com. 100%. All right. Again, Matt, thanks so much for doing this, man. And, and, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Keep crushing it out there, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Bye-bye.